What does temptation look like for you? Can we talk about that today? Welcome to Bible Studies for Life Adult Podcast. Uh, This is Lynn Pryor, and my co-host is Chris Johnson. And joining Chris and myself today is Dr. Brian Beyer. Chris, let's give it up for Brian. And Brian, thanks for joining us for this podcast. (laughs) Glad to be here. Uh, So just to let you know why Brian is joining us, Brian is one of our commentary writers uh, that uh, he writes for the Advanced Bible Study Commentary, and he is an excellent writer, but he has an excellent background, which is why he's such a good writer. And so, Brian, if I can uh, just ask you, tell our listeners a little bit about your background and what you've been doing. Right. Well, I was born into a Christian home, and my earliest memories are of my mother telling me about Jesus think that made my testimony really boring, but I've learned over the years that that's not really the sheltered way. That's the right way. That's the way it should be with father and mother who love each other, love Jesus, love me. And I can't remember the earliest time I was in church. And so early in my teens, I really began to sense God's call toward uh, some kind of church-related ministry. And I did pastor briefly in uh, Harveysburg, Ohio, Jonah's Run Baptist Church. So far out of the that's where Jonah would have run to if he'd had a chance. <laughs> That's great. By, uh, following my doctoral studies at Hebrew Union College and prior to that at Denver Seminary, we, uh, my family and I moved to Columbia, South Carolina, where I picked up a position at Columbia International University and was there for 36 years. And every time the Lord had something new for me, it was there. So mainly an Old Testament guy, but once in a while I taught New Testament or theology. And then about half the time I was there, I was an academic dean or dean of students. So played a lot of different roles, but during that time, I've always loved to write. And my experience with Lifeway goes back to 1991, where I had my first writer's conference up in Nashville. And it's been a good relationship ever since. That's great. And um, I, I can say this un, uh, without any hesitation, Brian, you are one of the best commentary writers we have for advanced Bible study. And of course, you're an Old Testament guy, and uh, we're looking at an Old Testament passage, Um so uh, you were an excellent choice. So thanks for how, how you have gifted the rest of us uh, with your writing. Uh, Chris is going to get us into our session in just a moment, uh, but I did raise the question about what does temptation look like for you? So uh, Chris and Brian, let's just kind of leave this. If we can, let's start a little lighthearted. Is there a food that you have a hard time resisting? So um, I have some uh, food uh, issues. So I don't eat chocolate. So a lot of people, when they, they go nuts over chocolate, I'm just kind of rolling my eyes thinking, man, that's poison. Uh, but, but sweets are a problem. I mean, you know, they're, they're enticing for me. Well, Chris, that's good to know that if we're ever together again, that just means more chocolate for me. More for so, you. That's yeah. exactly right, Lynn. Yeah, How about Brian? you, Brian? Same thing with me. Well, not same thing, but different things. Uh, cookies sometimes. I, I find it's an incredible the uh, way God has designed us, our minds and our bodies, if I go work out and really at the end of that, I'm feeling like, oh, boy, that was a hard workout. I just look at that cookie differently afterwards. <laughs> boy, that's, that's 30 minutes or 45 minutes doing that uh, workout for nothing. I've off. But I did see something recently on the Internet, so it must be true, about uh, for men, for men, for men, chocolate in moderate amounts regularly reduces our risk of stroke. And it didn't say what 
moderate means, and it didn't say what regular means. So life is good. No stroke today. There you go. Sounds good. I remember when I was in uh, seminary, my wife and I house set for um, a doctor and, and his wife, who was a nurse with my wife. And um, when we when we stayed at their house, they were actually running the Boston Marathon. So uh, they were close to our age and, and we enjoyed hanging out with them. So we stayed at their house and we went into their pantry and I could not believe the junk food they had. And so th- these are people who were physician and a nurse who chose uh, to run so they could eat junk. There's just no doubt about it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, uh, we all have those kind of foods that tempt us, uh, but we're going to be talking about a different type of temptation uh, today, aren't we, Chris? We are. So this is our second week in the study of how to avoid life's pitfalls. We're looking at the life of Joseph as our example in the book of Genesis. And um, this is a remarkable uh, story from beginning to end. Last week, we were introduced to Joseph and, and his family and the dysfunction of his family. Um, so in the story, Joseph has been sold into slavery by his brothers. You think your family's dysfunctional. Uh, his brother <laughs> sold him into slavery instead of killing him. And um, that's where we pick up the story uh, of, of Joseph. Right. So for those of you who are familiar with this story, you know, we're going to be talking about the temptation that Joseph faced. Uh, And if you're not familiar with the story, it is a sexual temptation now. But I need to offer this uh, this clause. Right. I want to pause for a moment and just say, don't just think, well, this is a study about sex and sexual temptation. That's not a problem for me. Don't write this study off. Because as we see the temptation Joseph faced, what I want you to do is to think about the types of temptations you face and the principles that we're going to derive from what Joseph did. I want you to be able to apply those principles to whatever temptation you face, whether it's a temptation to to gossip, to, uh, to overeat, whatever your temptation is, the principles will apply. So we're going to jump into Genesis chapter 39. Uh, as, uh, as Chris has said, you know, we've, we last left off, Joseph has just been sold into slavery, and that's all we know. But you come into Genesis 39, and what happened is Joseph, is, he was, uh, as a slave, he was given to an Egyptian named Potiphar. And uh, Potiphar was a uh, high up captain. Uh, but I want, to, I want to pick up on verse 3, something that Potiphar noticed. When his master, this is Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with Joseph and the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found favor with his master and became his personal attendant. Joseph also put him in charge of his household and placed all that he owned under his authority. So I want you to see here that you've got Joseph who everything looks like it's going, even though he's in slavery, he's in a very sweet position. But you come to verse 6, and it says, Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. But after some time, his master's wife looked longingly at Joseph and said, Sleep with me. When I first look at that passage, I mean, as, as you said, Chris, the Joseph story is just masterfully put together. And you say, I, know, I mean, it's the Bible. I know. But the, the way that the text just shows us the the fall and rise and fall and rise and fall and rise of Joseph is is amazing. And yet this little phrase, but the Lord was with him, but the Lord was with him, but the Lord was with him, continues to come through. And as as the text indicates, 
uh, Genesis 37, the end of chapter 37, he's sold into slavery. He ends up going down to Egypt. And this is pretty bad. But now he has a situation that's pretty good. I mean, all things considered, his family is back in Canaan. But, but Joseph is not being mistreated. In fact, he's really been exalted. And Potiphar sees the giftedness in this young man. And he exalts him over his whole house. And Joseph may not even have realized that a temptation was right around the corner. Yeah. One of the things that I was intrigued by, uh, Lynn, I think you were instrumental in putting this, this uh, study together, but uh, one of the, one of the points that we, we want to make is that uh, sometimes it's when things are going well for us, that sin and temptation uh, become an issue. Um, and that's maybe when we need to be most on guard is when things are going well for us, not necessarily in the normal times or when things are going bad for us. I'm going to go back uh, uh, several years ago. You guys remember Steve Green, the, the artist. Uh, I heard him tell a story about as they were setting up in one of these concert venues, how fascinated he was with the lighting crew. They would be way up there on the, you know, those catwalks walking around like that, you know, like they were on the ground floor. And it's like the heights did not bother them at all. And so he, he, he queried them about that and says that they found out the thing is it's most dangerous for them when they don't think about it. When they get too comfortable up there on those high catwalks, that's when they become in danger. But they always, if they will keep the mindset of where they are, and to kind of keep that extra bit of guard and caution, they do their work well. And I think about that when I see what's going on with Joseph here, that uh, he needed to keep his guard up, even though things looked like they were going great for him. So one of the questions that we ask is, what are some of the dangers of we face when things are going well? Well, pride is certainly one. Uh, I can think of times in my own service at my university where I'll go to introduce myself to some new students. And I say, hi, I'm Brian Byer. Oh, we know who you are, Dr. Byer. We know who you are. And there's such a subtle temptation there. Oh, there are people who know who I am. I don't know them, but they know me. And then you move from that to, I must be famous. (laughs) I realized, and it's subtle, you know, (laughs) it's kind of understandable that maybe faculty or deans would be known to students when they come on campus. But still, uh, that that subtlety that you're getting accolades, probably Joseph is getting accolades. He's getting regular commendations from Potiphar. Maybe Potiphar has told him, Joseph, I don't even have to worry about the, the food I eat, the, the water, the water that I drink. I mean, that's pretty much all I need. And I've got that taken care of. You got the rest. That's great. And we don't know, but it's clear that Joseph wasn't being mistreated. And so with that comfort comes uh, the challenge to temptation. I think back to Deuteronomy 8, where uh, Moses tells the Israelites as they're getting ready to go into the promised land, when you get in there and you start making money and your vineyards are doing well and your crops are doing well, watch out, watch out, Mm. lest you the Lord your God and say, by the power of my hand, I've done this. No, God has given you that power to prosper and don't forget it. That's that's a great word, a great reminder to us. Uh, 
I remember going to a pastor's conference when I was preaching uh, before I came to Lifeway. I was a pastor and, and uh, remember going to a pastor's conference and hearing one of the most prominent pastors of, the, of that era. And it was from my hometown in Louisville, Kentucky. And he just acknowledged us very confessionally. He said, you know, the times that I have to be the most on guard are after uh, a day at church when things have gone well, preaching has gone well, and I'm exhausted, and it's been a good day, and it's that's the moment where I find temptation uh, is beating on my door. It's that those are the times he said when I have to be most on guard. Uh, just because of I've been doing these spiritual things <laughs> and I let down and, and it was a reminder to all of us that you have to stay on guard. Uh, you just never know when those temptations are going to come your way. I think for believers, it's also important to recognize those areas of, uh, of temptation, of personal struggles um, that are in our lives. Uh, I, the reality is Satan knows our weaknesses and knows how to attack us, but more than that, knows how to lure us, how to place things that might be attractive to us in our sight when we're vulnerable. Oh, absolutely. And you're kind of inviting me, you're tempting me to get on my soapbox about <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> for 36 years, most of my life was that those 36 years were focused on people who are roughly 18 to 24 years of age, a lot of college students. And consistently, when it comes to grace and when it comes to accountability, uh, it was much easier for students to want to explore the limits of their liberty than to try to recognize the reality of their own weaknesses. Mm. And I tried to express to them, you know, I've been married a long time, very happily. In fact, just this morning on Facebook, I posted that 48 years ago today, I said wow. to the woman I love, for the first time. And I still do more than ever. But when I share about my marriage, I tell them, I don't, I don't see how close with another woman I can get without actually committing adultery or, or going off the rails. No, no. I value my treasure. I value my wife. She is special to me. So I, I draw the lines way back in terms of that. But students, and, and it's not just students, it's, it's people in general. They're more uh, wanting to, well, you know, I can explore the limits of my liberty. I can do this, 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 and not go that far. And they forget that sin can be a dangerous thing. And one step can lead to another. So you started uh, the advanced study with a, with a, with a famous quote that none of us know who, who said it first, but give us that quote, would you? Well, I just remember that years ago, our pastor shared at the beginning of a message, sin always takes you farther than you want to go keeps you there longer than you want to stay and costs you more than you want to pay. And that's just so true. We tend to think of little sins and big sins. And I've often shared with students, with my children, as they were growing up, you can, you know, you can't choose the consequences. You just don't know what consequences are going to play out from that little indiscretion you think and what the enemy is going to do with it. So just don't go there. One thing that I think that helps us to stay in that guard is to have some principles, some convictions already in place. Uh, my, my standards that I am not going to go down this road. Uh, and I think we're going to see that a little bit here with Joseph. Uh, we, as you get into verse 9 of chapter 39, uh, 
here, here is Potiphar's wife coming on to him and tempting him, but he refused. Look, he said to his master's wife, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house, and he has put all that he owns under my authority. No one in this house is greater than I am. He has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. So how could I do this immense evil and how could I sin against God? But although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. And as I read that, I just, if I can kind of read between the lines there, I see that Joseph has some convictions. He has some standards already in place. And so I think when the temptation came, he was ready. I mean, he was ready to stand up. Absolutely. That's, that's so key. Well, I've encouraged on children, as I said, as they were growing up, but also many students make the decision beforehand, decide together. Uh, if you're a couple dating couple, Hey, you know, we want to protect our purity. And so let's not make a rash decision in a particular moment, but let's just decide ahead of time how we're going to avoid temptation. If it's yeah. Food, don't buy if it's certain food that just really puts on the pounds, don't buy it. In the session, I also use the illustration of maybe a recovering alcoholic who as part of that just says, you know, I'm, I'm not going to drive down those streets I used to drive down because there's just too much temptation. And here's the problem. I think sometimes we think, oh, that's a sign of spiritual weakness. No, it's a sign of spiritual smart. Don't do that. Last week, uh, we were vacationing in Colorado and we went up Red Mountain Pass mm. last time because I made a vow, Lord, if you get me back alive, <laughs> they were driving this road again. The, the road drops off. Literally, it just drops off. And if you go over the edge, you're gone. And it goes, I mean, you will see Jesus within about five seconds of going off that edge. And we were driving and it really made me nervous to do that. And I was staying right close to the edge of the, the center, not to the edge. But suppose I would have said to my wife, now watch, honey, watch what a good driver I am. I can drive right on the edge without going over. That's not smart. That's just foolish. Stay away from the edge. And in the same way, we just need to stay away from temptation. And people may accuse us of, oh, you're being soft. You're being timid. No, it's just smart. I know my weaknesses and I'm staying away. So as all of us grew up uh, in Christian homes and had had that background in the church, so uh, our familiarity with the story of Joseph uh, is is just is just a part of our lives. But I remember the first time preaching uh, through this passage, how it jumped out. I mean, the expectation that we have that Joseph is saying, my master is. Uh, my master has trusted me. He's in, entrusted me with all of these things. How could I do this evil? How could I sin against? And we are automatically think, how could I sin against my master? And and Joseph turns all of that and says, how how could I do this and sin against God? Um, the psalmist David said, uh, against you and you alone I've sinned in Psalm fifty one, and I think that's a game changer. For the for people who listen to our podcast and who teach to be reminded and to remind their groups, hey, when we sin, we sin against God. And that, that's a big deal. And, and Joseph helped me to understand that dynamic as, as I was preaching through the story. And Chris, if, if, you sure. have, if you have an individual who doesn't 
who doesn't have that conviction of who God is and how God works in his life, another person in this situation will go, you know, look, I was sold by my brothers. God has forgotten me. Um, I deserve this. Uh, I've got this coming to me and give into that temptation for that very reason. Uh, yet Joseph didn't do that. Even though things weren't perfect for him, he did not abandon God and his conviction to God. Somewhat related to that to another angle that the enemy sometimes takes is no one will know. Not just you've deserved it, but no one will know. That's such a small thing or whatever. And I recently faced that decision. I was challenged by a good Christian say, who said to me, no one will really know. And it won't be a big deal. And it's really not a biblical issue necessarily, is it? But I had given my word on this. And so I said, well, you're right that probably not too many people would know. But I would know. My wife would know. You would know. And God would know. And that's too long a list. So <laughs> we're not going. This is, a, this is a serious issue in the church. Uh, as you said, this idea that this rationalization rate rationalization that no one knows. Yeah, I'm not really hurting anybody if it's just me, but it's the issue of pornography among Christians. Uh, it's the untalked about sin. And I'm not sure about men, it's women too. Uh, but surveys I know that Christianity today has done in the past has shown this is a prevalent issue, a, a, a serious temptation. And what makes it such a challenge is it's right now, in, it's probably in your hand or in your pocket, your phone, which makes that so such an easy temptation for people. Yet to fight that, we've got to have those convictions set in place beforehand. We've got to have those standards. When I'm tempted, what am I going to do to run from that? Um, and what we're going to see here is Joseph has had these convictions and standards that he keeps putting before Potiphar's wife, I'm not going to do this. But sometimes what it does, it comes down to us for what it did for Joseph. Sometimes you just got to run away. When you come to verse 11, uh, chapter 39, then one day he, Joseph, was in the house to do his work, and none of his household servants were there. But she grabbed him by his garment and said, sleep with me. But leaving his garment in her hand, he escaped and ran outside. I mean, if sometimes if nothing else works, run away. So uh, Paul takes that same tack in First uh, Corinthians chapter six, verse eighteen, and I mean, essentially, what he's saying in that passage is flee, run from right. temptation, right. and he's speaking about sexual sexual temptation specifically. And I appreciate that we've tried. In, in our conversation to say, let's think more broadly about all sin, but in regard to sexual sin, uh, this is a continuing uh, refrain, run from sexual immorality. It is, and it's just everywhere today, Chris. It's just so just bombarded with it. I've, I've often shared with the college students, you know, you guys, you live in a, a tough age. When I was a teenager, if I had wanted to, which maybe I had wanted to, but I resisted to get a hold of pornography, it was in print. And I had to go to the convenience store, at least, and face down the person behind the counter, maybe a woman, and say, I want that magazine that's behind that partition. Now, click, click, click. 
And there it is. And there are just so many temptations that are right there. And you don't even need to try because the enemy is so subtle. Some of these websites, they find the, the parallel uh, website domains and they, all of a sudden you think you're going to one site and you're on innocently. You're on another site. And it's tough. It's, it's something we need to pray about. It's something that we need to guard ourselves against. And I know people who have set certain kinds of software on their computer to protect them from even accidentally going to sites like that. Which comes back to the uh, what we were talking about earlier about having those convictions in place right. and having, having specific strategies uh, in place. When I'm tempted, this is what I'm going to do to offset that, to, 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 help, my, to help myself run away from that. Uh, of course, we've already referred to, you know, the alcohol, you just don't go down those roads that you know are going to be tempting for you. Uh, if I know I'm going to get with a group of people that are going to spend their time over lunch bad-mouthing somebody else, I know not to go to that lunch thing. Just uh, You just know to stay away from those things. And all of these are important reminders. These are the, we're, When we're talking about Bible studies for life, we're talking about um, applying biblical principles to every aspect of our lives. And uh, I can't think of a more important topic for our groups to have a conversation about than how to avoid this pitfall uh, of temptation. To be tempted is normal. It means we're human. We're not worse people because we've experienced temptation. Everybody's tempted. But how to avoid those temptations is a big deal for Christians today. Fleeing temptation or putting up guards is sometimes perceived, even in the church, as being weak or being timid or afraid, when actually it's healthy. It's a good thing to know. I don't want to experience these bad consequences ever. So I'm drawing the line way back here. That's, that can be a good thing. Yeah, that's very true. So let me offer a tip for if you're leading a group, uh, as you, you look at this passage of Joseph and his temptation, if you can do this, I would actually recommend if you're a co-ed class, this would be a good Bible study to divide the men and the women just, just for this one uh, session. Uh, I think what you'll find is there might be a little more freer discussion about strategies, about convictions, uh, the things that they face that men face and the things that women face when it comes to temptation. And certainly if you put it in the context as Joseph with the issue of sexual temptation. So if you have an opportunity, uh, I would encourage you to do that. See if you can a uh, way to break, break your men and your women into separate groups. Well, listen, I want to thank you for guys for this uh, very robust conversation. Um, Brian, thank you for writing and for being a part of this podcast. We always want to take time to thank the people who listen to our podcast. We listen, we do this for you. We hope it's beneficial to you as your leading groups. Brian, I'm going to give you a chance to say a final word and then Lynn, you can take us out. Well, I just would go back to the way I started this session when I wrote it. That years ago, I remember my pastor saying, sin always takes you farther than you want to go, <laughs> keep you longer than you want to stay, and costs you more than you want to pay. And then to come to link that with the topic where the, the topic we've just been talking about, namely um, set your guard, set your standard, decide beforehand, because it's so much easier to make the right decision if you've already made it. 
So let's just remember that uh, as you're having your discussion with your group, just that our focus here is remembering what is at stake will help us overcome temptation. I hope you have a good Bible study with your group this week, uh, whoever you, you might be meeting with. And we always, Chris and I, would always love to hear from you. If you uh, go to our extra site, uh, biblestudiesforlife.com slash adult extra, you click on this session, you can add some comments there. We'd love to hear how your Bible study went with your group. So I hope you have a great study and we will see you for next week's podcast.